another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And uh, this month, we decided, you know, last year I, I threw out for February was Fight Month. And that was a horrible theme. I regret it, <laughs> and I'll never do it again. But this month, we're doing a kind of a theme. Um, on our patron page, if you're a patron of the podcast, you can recommend games for us that we don't have to cover, but they go on a list. And the idea that we, you know, we put up there was, oh, we're going to use this list all the time because we're, we're always short on games. Well, the downside of everyone signing up for the Patreon as soon as we started it was that everyone's games that we had to cover were all due in like the same six-month block. So we didn't really need to pull from the list for too many. We did a couple, but we didn't really have to. Uh, so all the games we're going to cover in February will be from the list that is on our patron page. Again, they're not required games to cover. We're not going to do interviews with the patrons that requested them. Um, but at least we'll be able to, to you know, kind of start using those. And I'd like to use them every couple months or so, uh, maybe more often since we are doing four episodes a month uh, between the patron episodes and the regular episodes. To, to give us some games to play, because a lot of those I'd never played, and we're always looking for some good recommendations. So the game we're going to talk about today is Battle of Olympus for the Nintendo, but before we get to that pick, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, I, I snapped out of playing through uh, Dark Souls again, for now. I, I am going to go through and, and finish it up, but I, you know, I said I was wanting to play through uh, some new games, I have, or, or games that are new to me, and it just so happened... That a, that a Jeremy Gregory recommendation, that game Control, came around on uh, on PS Plus. So it's one of the free ones. And I have been heavy into that one. I think that might be the only game outside of ones we're reviewing that I, I've put time in. And what a, what a game. What a, uh, a, a weird, kind of unique, uh, sometimes extraordinarily frustrating to navigate, but wonderful game. Uh, that has been so far. I think I'm probably a little over halfway through uh, and have really, really enjoyed that one. I, I'm actually playing it now on PS5 since uh, that that came out, that upgrade came oh, out. Fancy pants. And it is, uh, it is a whole different game uh, if you've only been able to play it on consoles. I was lucky enough to play, play it through on PC as well. But yeah, the, uh, the PS4 and, and the Xbox One versions of that, it, they, they were okay. They were all right, but there's a lot of different things that whenever you do step up to uh, that PS5 version in the future, and and since you've got it now, you know you do automatically have that. It's a free upgrade. Uh, I highly suggest checking it out then because it is a uh, it, it feels like a whole different game uh, when when you're able to play that at like 60 frames per second and almost no loading. It, it makes a world of difference in that game. Yeah, I I downloaded it as well. I haven't started it yet though. Uh, I managed to get through all of January. I finished eight games, and up until the very last couple days of January, I hadn't bought anything new. I've added games to the, the my backlog for things that I you know, didn't think I would play that are older things that I pulled back up. I totally forgot about my Steam backlog. I didn't want to talk about that. So I, I was pretty proud of myself. And then right before the end of the month, uh, I bought Cyber Shadow for the PS4. Because uh, I was playing, you know, I finished Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 on the Twitch stream. Very proud of myself. Got, uh, got hit the wall that was three and didn't bother completing that one. Uh, but, I, you know, I was like, I want to play something else very similar. And Cyber Shadow looks like, you know, looked to me like, oh, it's very much like that. those kind of games. And it is. It's really, really good. I just finished it yesterday. Um, but I finished it with like a 53% <laughs> item completion rate. So I'm going to go back and, and go through the levels to find everything I missed. Because it's, it's a lot longer than a Ninja Gaiden game. So, I mean, I, my playthrough time was like 11 hours. But that, again, that's the first playthrough. Uh, there's an award for doing it under three. So conceivably, I could do it at some point under three hours. But that, that was really good. And again, if you like you know, 2D action games in that style, I highly recommend Cyber Shadow. Uh, and the other thing I bought, because I knew I was going to buy this from the moment it came out, and I was going to hold off, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to support this company because they, 
they don't put out too many games, and I, you know, I want the, the, this series to get a foothold. Uh, so I did buy Ease 9 uh, Monstrum Knox, also for the PS4, and I played a little bit of that. I played enough to see that it's exactly like Ease 8, which is, in my opinion, a good thing, but I guess if you didn't like Ease 8, this probably won't change your mind on the series. Uh, and I did get, I, I went ahead and bought like the Digital Deluxe Edition, which gave me a whole bunch of dumb costumes. I don't know why I spent the extra money on that, but that's okay. I'm glad I did. So somehow in like the two-week window in between the last episode and this one, I managed to buy two new games and spent almost $100 on games where I spent nothing for all of January. I felt very proud of myself. So, uh, But I, I know I've got, at least got Persona Strikers coming up this month, and then of course next month will be Monster Hunter Rise. So that's two more guaranteed purchases. Uh, so I got to get on Ease, finish that. Since I've already finished Cyber Shadow, if I can finish Ease before uh, before uh, Persona Five Strikers comes out, at least I'll be uh, I'll be ahead of not not losing track <laughs> on my backlog. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? I I also got Cyber Shadow. Uh, and, and I'm enjoying it, but I haven't gotten too far. I think I'm just like the first three levels in. So far, just, yeah, like you, I, I love it. You know, this is, it's the game that I kind of wanted the messenger to be. Like, I really liked the messenger, uh, but there was just a few things here and there that kind of bugged me about it. And so far, Cyber Shadow is is just that Ninja Gaiden, that new Ninja Gaiden game that I've wanted for a very long time. Um, but otherwise, I decited to stop in over at the Apple Arcade, we have not covered that uh, in quite a while. No, and it has it has really grown. There's a there. lot of games on there that I I had not seen in a while, just because I'd kind of forgot about it. Because Apple doesn't ever advertise any games that come out. No, on you, it really, you've got to go. Like you've got to open up the App Store, go to the arcade, scroll down to new games. And I did. I also got out. But I yeah. Uh, what what are you getting on there? Because I found some real gems last time I hopped on. I I got one real good. Good game, and then I got one real bad game. Um, I, I'm still kind of going through these uh, as far as like the new ones, but I tried. Uh, oh, what is it? Oceanhorn Chronos Dungeon. Yeah. And this is a. I, I won't say it's really bad, but it is a very, very run of the mill, mm -hmm. nothing too exciting uh, dungeon crawler. Basically, yeah. it's it's not like a, a rogue light or anything. It is very much just go from one dungeon to the next. And there's no real progression besides getting money mm -hmm. to buy items that you can use. Uh, it's it's not really anything that that really caught my attention after like you know ten minutes of playing it, yeah. which really sucks because it looks and sounds amazing. Like it has that old old school sixteen bit look and and sound down to a T, which I love. But everything else about it is it's just not too great. It, it really didn't hold my attention at all. Uh, the other one that I that I grabbed that I did really enjoy, and I I got it basically because the description of it called it a uh, chillathon, um, is Alba, a wildlife adventure. Yeah, and that is uh, that's a fun little game, and and mm. the description holds true. This is a a a chillathon tr through and through. Uh, you're basically playing as this little girl uh, who's gone on vacation with her parents to this this little island. And it does a lot of things that, you know, it's kind of like Pokemon Snap. You're really kind of going around taking pictures of animals. You're doing mm -hmm. good deeds like picking up trash, uh, helping animals, talking to people. I mean, it's it sounds really boring, but uh, it's, it's I don't know, there's something about it. I, I enjoy just kind of pulling that up whenever I do want to have a chillathon. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot more stuff on here that I really want to get into that, that looks really interesting. Uh, it just sucks that Apple doesn't do a very good job of maybe pointing out 
these games when they come out and why you should play them because you li- like you said you literally have to go into the app and be like okay what's here now because apple sure doesn't seem to care yeah and, and which is weird because they put a lot into that um and, and yeah I, I'll, I cannot say enough good things uh, it's, it's from the people that made monument valley so i mean i think you kind of know uh if you're familiar with that game kind of the quality you're, you're going to get out of it uh monument valley one and two were were big with me and uh yeah i, I just i love that one there, there's so many like little gems on that thing and you just I still, gotta I, dig to get yeah. to them yeah and, and the thing is i i think uh it, it's not it's still not too arduous a task right now like the library is not gigantic enough right now that the digging through it is ask yet um i i definitely think give this give this service another year for the games and yeah you're you're really going to have to sit there and scroll um for some reason if you haven't got on it uh I, it's still the time there, there's so much good stuff on there that there's definitely and i've tried a lot of games on there and i i can only say i've i've only encountered a couple shitters on there i they're running really high with the the good versus you know just this shit games that are kind of just cranked out just for mobile. Uh, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job quality control wise on there. Yeah, it does. It, there's a lot more hits than misses on mm-hmm. there. And I just don't know why these big companies want to get into games and then just kind of forget about it. Like, yeah. you know, Apple's, they still, they're still supporting it. Games are coming out. But then you got like the news from uh, Google Stadia this past week where they have already, within like one year of getting Stadia up and running, they've completely ditched their first party studios for mm. games that they were going to make exclusively for Stadia. And it's just like, you got to have patience for this kind of thing. Oh yeah. And I don't know. It just seems like no company, you know, they want to get into it and then have the money right then. Yeah. And if it, if that doesn't work out, then let's, let's just shove this over to the side and make that a side project. Mm. So hopefully that doesn't happen to Apple Arcade. I, I think it's the best place to go for mobile games mm-hmm. without having to pay for a bunch of dumb shit. So, uh, yeah, again, like Billy said, if, if you got an Apple device, try it out. I mean, there's some, there's some, there's a good collection of games on there right now. I do. And I still haven't tried it, but I wouldn't have enough time because I spent the last two weeks playing battle of Olympus for the Nintendo. Yeah, collecting collecting olives takes up all a man's time. It does. It? It's a long, a long process of collecting olives and then losing them over and over again. Uh, did either of you guys play Battle of Olympus before? This is one I had played, and I was very excited that uh, our patron twenty six hundred recommended this one for us. This is one I, I either I saw it in a magazine or kind of walked by it in the the video store because I'm aware of it. Um, the name was familiar. Uh, you know, when we mentioned we were going to play it, I looked it up online. Yeah, it looked familiar to me. Um, and, and not because it looks an awful lot like another game, which we'll discuss as we go through. But no, um, I have familiarity with this, uh, but I have never sat down and played it before. So it was, uh, I guess we'll find out if it was a treat to, to sit down and play through it for the first time. I, I had never heard of it, really. 
I think I had seen the name in passing uh, here and there. And I just wanted to go back and check to see if like, you know, how it was covered, you know, even in like Nintendo Power. And they only managed to give this this game like a one page preview and then never spoke of it again, as far as I know. So I think that there's a pretty good reason why a lot of people uh, didn't know that this one existed. Did this come out later? And it, was this a late NES game or was this kind of should we have heard about it? Well, it, it wasn't a late NES game, but it came out when all the really good games were coming out. This game got, came out in 1988 in Japan, and it was brought to the U.S. in 1989. It didn't go, show up in Europe until 1991. So 1989 is when you start seeing Nintendo throw out, you know, the best of their games. You know, the, it's the highest volume of games that are coming out. It's, you know, everyone has a Nintendo. So this would have just easily been overlooked because, as we're going to discuss, there isn't a lot to stand out in this game from other games necessarily. Um, but I remember this because it was one of the games we rented it over and over again. I don't know quite why. I think because it was there and, and we were determined to beat it. We never did. Uh, I, I got lost uh, over and over again because a lot of this game, uh, this game loves a good maze. And, and as a kid, I didn't have patience to map out what I needed to to get through a lot of this game. So, uh, you know, I remember trying it over and over again. And, and I remembered very, very, very well, like the first few areas. Uh, and, and I was very excited to kind of get back to this now so I could try to finish it and see, you know, was this something I could have finished or is this another game that, you know, I just would never have figured out as a kid. Obviously, I never did figure it out, but I didn't own it. I think if I owned it eventually, I might have pieced it together because it's not incredibly difficult. Um, as we mentioned, this is, uh, Billy mentioned it's very similar to another game. Uh, this game, from from the moment you come into the, the, the actual play area of the game, you're going to think, wow, this looks a lot like Zelda 2 and not like a little bit like Zelda 2. Like, <laughs> if you took all the towns in Zelda 2 and tied them together with with uh, not an overworld, but with more action screens to get to other towns, that's exactly what this game looks like. I mean, to, to the levels where you, when you go into houses and talk to people, some of them look just like the folks in Zelda 2. It was, it was jarring. Um, we, I mean, we've dealt with games that are, uh, you know, kind of similar to other games or, or at least kind of borrowed their style from them. But man, this was, this was a lot of just copy and paste. Um, yeah, that really took me back. It took me aback uh, when I first played it. And it doesn't help once you start playing through the game, like some of the, the animations, so the, your starting weapon um, sure feels and, and has about the reach of that sword in Zelda 2. Uh, it was it was something. I, I don't know if uh, were some of the same developers involved here. Or how, how do you get away with this? I, it's It's just... Zelda 2 like it literally just feels like that I I was like you guys I was just kind of shocked picking up and playing it because you know just looking at it you can see well this is trying to be Zelda 2 you know they're trying to do that thing but no I was like you guys I was just shocked to to play this and feel it I mean this is literally how Link controls like it's his inertia it's his attack it's his jump it's everything about it it's ducking down to pick up items uh, navigating around the game is a little bit different, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is Zelda 2, maybe like, you know, just some weird alternate reality version of Zelda 2. Yeah, well, and the developer of this game is Infinity, which you probably haven't heard of because they haven't really done anything uh, notable. They did a lot of porting of things. This was their first attempt at, like, a big major game that's a team of three people. When you beat the game and it shows you, like, the, the credits at the end, you see the same three names over and over again. No other names, no testers thanked, nothing else, just these three names over and over again. And uh, the, the main, uh, you know, the developer, in when being interviewed, 
kind of said, yeah, well, I, I really like Zelda 2, so I wanted to make a game that was a lot like <laughs> Zelda 2. So it's not like it was unintentional. It was like, yeah, no, we liked Zelda 2, so we wanted to make a game just like Zelda 2. And they, they certainly did. They, again, well, there's congratulations. No, there's no overworld think, map. So I don't, I don't think a developer has ever succeeded in their goals. Yeah, no, this was, uh, I mean, this is as close as you're going to get without having the name Zelda on it. Yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, it, it's hard to get over. Like I, I, the game does eventually, story wise, it does its own thing, and it has some in there. But this was a this was very hard, um, kind of of an obstacle to get over there at the beginning. Just I, I've never encountered that before in a game. Um, maybe it's because I didn't know anything about it. I, I I had no idea, you know. And like I said, I had seen uh, pictures before really give it justice but like jeremy said there is so much more than just the looks uh, definitely the feel also is is there and it's zelda too but i uh despite that and, and i'm not uh i'm not one of those people that really shits too hard on zelda too I, I think it definitely tried to do some interesting interesting things that it didn't always do that well at but i thought it was still a decent game uh so i i decided to trudge on through and uh you know uh, it, it doesn't, in my mind, ever do a ton to differentiate itself, uh, but it does have some of its own little unique things going for it. I, I think it's overall like I had a better first impression of this game than I ever did of Zelda 2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this this definitely builds on a lot of the things that, or, or corrects a lot of the things that Zelda 2 did terribly wrong. Yeah. It, it uh, takes away the overworld. Oh, map, thank which, God. That's a good start. Yes, that's the best thing uh, that this game does. Its traversal is a little strange <laughs> as far as like getting to different areas. I'll get we'll get to that here in a bit. But otherwise, like just playing it and taking away that overworld, taking away all the random battles that happen, just getting to place to place. Uh, I mean, there's still some annoyances with backtracking as well in this game. But it, overall, it feels like a more streamlined version of something of, of, of like Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, one of the other things it removes that Zelda 2 did is there's no experience system. Like, there's no reason to kill monsters other than to get money, uh, which are olives in this game. Or if you kill enemies, sometimes they will drop uh, health items. They're like little leaves that will heal you if you need them. Um, you have a, a health bar of eight blocks at the very start of the game and a club, and you're sent on your mission. Uh, the game, while we said there's no overworld map, we mean in the, the way that Zelda 2 had, where you can walk around an overworld yeah. map. Yeah. When you start the game, you do see a map, and it shows you the different cities you can visit, you know, in, in theory. And you start in the, the, the city of Arcadia. And the first thing you do when you get into the game, after you get over the fact that it looks just like Zelda 2, you start, you, know, you notice, oh, I can go into these houses. And you go into the houses, you can talk to people, uh, much like Zelda 2, or, or more accurately, more like Castlevania 2, in that when you talk to people, they give you clues on what you're supposed to do. Thankfully, they're not incredibly cryptic. They all more or less tie directly to what you're supposed to be doing. Some of the things you hear may not come into play until way later in the game, but at least mm-hmm. no one's giving you red herring instructions no one's giving you complete gibberish uh, like they're all telling you what to do so the first house you go in the woman's like oh the first thing you i think it's a woman uh the first thing you need to do is go find zeus and talk to zeus so in each of these cities and there are eight cities you can see on your map and each of those cities have one of the uh one of the gods in it so the first god you're supposed to find is zeus and you find his temple it's very obvious when you find it because it looks like a temple um when you talk to him, he says, oh, I will tell the other gods to help you. Like, that's his gift to you. So after you've talked to Zeus, then you have to kind of figure out where can I go from here. So Arcadia itself, and you kind of said, Jeremy, that this is a hard to navigate a little bit. It, again, without having an overworld map 
that you move around on, all you know is, hey, I'm in Arcadia and I want to find one of these other cities. The way you find them is you walk around these, you know, side-scrolling maps, like the side-scrolling parts of Zelda 2, and you'll find other people to talk to that might give you some tips. Other times you'll find, like, a door that will lead to, you know, the map flashes and says, oh, you're in Attica or Argolis, which is the other two places you can go from the get-go. Uh, and you're like, oh, wow, I, I guess I'll see what's over here. And as soon as you get to those other areas, the, the goal would be to find the god, to talk to them, to find out, you know, what, what can they do to help you. And... <laughs> I think this game, at first you're like, okay, there's a lot of places to go. It's almost like a Metroidvania in that you can go almost anywhere at first as long as you have the tools to get there. Instead of being like Zelda where, you know, you have an overall map and you're clearly blocked by Dungeon 1, Dungeon 2, Dungeon 3. But the the way that you're supposed to, to get accustomed to combat in this game, I thought, uh, you know, the combat in Zelda 2 we, we've talked about previously on that that episode was kind of you know at first it's not too hard and later on some of the specific fights are hard this game's like everything's super easy and then as soon as you get to like any kind of larger fight and the first one you get when you go to attica someone's like oh you know i'll give you this magical staff you need but the the lamia has or lamia i'm not sure how you pronounce it has has kidnapped my son you need to go save him and then i'll give you this staff and that first fight against the lame the the i'm gonna say lamia the first fight against the lamia is i mean i died on that fight easily like 15 times before I figured out exactly yeah. kind of how I'm supposed yeah. to go. The combat in this, you know, it starts out super easy. The stuff you'll fight while you're wandering through the forest is just slimes and, you know, uh, occasionally like a guy will throw a spear and you just jump over the spear and, and hit him with your club. But that first fight, when you run into like an actual fight that's going to take more than just mashing on the buttons, it's tough. And, and it's very brutal that a lot of things do a lot of damage and uh, and you don't have any instant ways to heal. It's like, oh, I got to go all the way back to where I, I entered the city or entered the, the area from. And sometimes that's five or six screens to get back to that fight. I, I did the same thing. Like I, I was just stuck at that that one fight. But then I was like, OK, I'm just maybe I'm just not supposed to do this right now. So instead of going, it's like down into the left of whenever you get to that area, I went over to the right instead. And I found a god. And this was one that gives you a shield. Correct. So I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. Maybe I'm supposed to have the shield. So then I go back to fight the Lamia, whatever, the snake woman. <laughs> and she just beats the shit out of me still. The, the <laughs> shield doesn't do anything unless you, like, you have to kind of jump. And, and her arrows that she shoots at you have to, have to hit it in, like, a very specific spot in your jump. Yes. And then it will deflect them. But that's so hard to do. <laughs> so I, I just stopped trying to do that. And I, after like a battle of attrition of jumping over these, her arrows that she shoots out constantly and then hoping that I land close enough, but not too close or I'll get hit and then push back to, to swipe my, my tiny little dagger at her a few times. And I was like, man, if this is how the, the, the fighting is in this game, I think I'm done right here because this was a, this, this was madness. Yeah, it, it put me on notice also. <laughs> I, I was very concerned what the rest of the game uh, may yield. I, I think we have, uh, we all the games we've played in the last while, um, I, I feel like we've talked about like pretty easy boss encounters, uh, at least in the early portions of the game. Uh, yeah, but this one, this one put me on my ass for, for quite a while. And, and dying on this game, uh, I... You know, it, it has its own setbacks for you um, as you play through. But yeah, this was uh, this was jarring. Um, I did not see it coming because it seemed like a pretty gentle game up till this point in time. I mean, I do appreciate 
the exploration of, of yeah. having that option of being able to go around it and being able to find the shield and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like that was cool. But I think the overall just just traversal going back to that just for a second, uh, you know, it's it's strange. It is really strange. It's one of these things where, like, you learn early on that you can get to, you can go to the far left or the far right, go to the end of the screen, and you'll be in a new area. Or you might be in a new city or whatever. But this game also does the thing of, like, you can go into somebody's house, and then suddenly you'll be in a new city. Right. And then figuring out where you went to even get to where you are and how to backtrack sometimes is a pain in the ass. So, like, early in the game, like, even before you get to this city where you can, you know, get the shield and all this, you can actually go to several other places just by going in a dude's house or going into like uh, a tree or something like that. It's just all over the place as far as like how you get around in this game. It would help if they had maybe like just an arrow or something to show that you will be going to another area instead of just, you know, thinking I'm going to go in and and talk to this guy. And instead the the map screen shows up and hey, you're over here now. It's like, whoa, I did I did not mean to do this. Yeah, I, w- I went to a house. I thought I was just going to another room and I'm, <laughs> I'm in another old city. And that's that's how this game is. Like the first, you start in, like I mentioned in Arcadia, and you can go, you're supposed to go to Attica, which is where you were, uh, where we were f- talking about fighting the Lamia and dying over and over again. You can talk to Athena and get her shield. You can also go to Argolis, which is kind of a, a series of uh, caves and wander through there. Uh you got again. If you don't know what you're doing, you can wander through those caves all day. You won't ever find what you need because you don't have the right item yet. But at least you can can see things. And then you can also go if you go all the way. You start on the left side of the of this map essentially, and if you walk all the way to the right, you can go in the tree there, and you'll end up in uh, Peloponnesia, which is uh, like a forest area where there's spider webs on the trees, and immediately you get stuck in the spider webs. And the woman on the, uh, the thankfully the, there is a woman on the way there that says like, hey, you you, you need to have this the power of fire before you come here, and. Once you get the power of fire, which is the whole point of getting that staff by killing the Lamia and saving the kid and getting the staff, is that then you have to find somebody who can teach you how to, you know, use that staff to shoot fire. And at that point, you're supposed to go back to Peloponnesia. As a kid, I knew those four areas pretty well, but I never found the guy that that teaches you how to make fire. And I never figured out exactly where to go through because the first the first three areas, um, Attica, Arcadia and Argolis are all pretty straightforward. I mean, they're they, they have their own little twerks here and there, but but they aren't hard to figure out like how the map is laid out. The first time you run into a maze in this game is in the forest of Peloponnesia, where you'll just go through sections where you're walking what feels like you're going on one screen to another or to, to another to another. You don't know how many layers there are in this, and you can't figure out where you're going because everything looks exactly the same. So I ended up having to, like, write everything out, and now as an, as an adult, it was not a big deal to figure it out. But there's, like, four layers to that forest, and you have to make sure you know exactly what door leads to what other door and even what you're supposed to look for there. Like, it, it gets very confusing uh, in that section, and unfortunately, uh, both in, in two of the later sections, Crete and, um, Crete and Phrygia, I think is how you pronounce that. It's another set of mazes that are all very similar, where you're going from, uh, you know, different colored hallways in the case of Crete or in the case of Phrygia. You're literally going what what feels like you're going between a back and forth side, almost like in Goonies 2, where you're going through the back and forth of the map. Uh, Except that, again, I couldn't figure out how that all tied together either. They're they're very confusing sections of the game at that point. And all the bosses generally uh, had the same problem I had with, with the Lamia, which is you'll get to them, you'll die a bunch, you probably don't have the weapon to, or you probably have whatever you need to fight them if you can see them, but a lot of the time, it's just a matter of not making any mistakes. And hopefully you have your life full at that point. And maybe you're lucky enough to have found the health regen item, but probably not.
I guess how how far did you guys get in this game? I was able um, with a little bit of time and yes, a a little bit of safe stating along. I I saw this one through. Um, it it was kind of under it was kind of under the wire. Um, our original. If we would have recorded our original date, I would not have. But I I did take the time to play through a little more and 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 made it through. And yeah, I, it's. <sighs> I can't say I enjoyed the latter half of this game. I think definitely that the first three areas, um, I think we worth. I think there's a little bit of a shift, and I, I, I gotta say I was not having as much fun from that point on. I got to where you the guy I forget which god it was that that you learned fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was as far as I got. I just I've been I've had so much work to do in the last couple of weeks that it's been hard to find time to do anything really. Um, so that's as far about as far as I got. I don't know if things got drastically different after that, but as far as what I was playing before that, I, you know, besides the snake boss, uh, and, you know, having to learn by jumping through fire with that shit, I I was having a pretty good time with it. So I I don't know if things like said, just drastically change after that to the point where it's just like, this is, this is not fun anymore. It it only changes in that the maps become more confusing. Uh, again, the, this game loves a good maze, and that's not fun a lot of the time. Also, yeah. the, the fights get more difficult. The bosses always stay pretty do- tough, but the stock area, stock enemies in each area become much more difficult. I mean, when you, by the time you get to the island of Crete or the area of Phrygia or even um, the the mountains of of Pythia, I think is how you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. All of those have enemies that are flying around the screen in some cases or they just do a ton of damage uh, in in Crete everyone there acts like the iron knuckles from Zelda 2 where they have shields and they you have to duck and jump and hit them at the same time and there's like three or four on the screen at once and it it just becomes really 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 complex to get through the areas and the guys you're trying to fight there will kill you but the game you know generally if you go to a new area explore it fully maybe you have to make some maps find the god get their gift this would be a tough game but not a game that I think would be as frustrating as it ends up being. Now, Jeremy, you didn't get far enough to really deal with this yet. But as you were killing enemies, um, one, of, one of the things that you know, they drop is those olives. They look like little red dots. Yeah. They're olives. And they're money in this game. Now, every time you die, and Billy had mentioned that earlier, that dying has its own consequences. One, you go back to wherever you came into that city from. Uh, but two, you lose half of your olives. Now, early on in the game, it doesn't seem to matter. You don't use them for anything. You figure, I'll, I'll use these later on. And, you know, early on in the game, if I had, like, ten olives, I was like, man, I'm, I'm rich. I got ten olives. And then you die and you have five, you're like, whatever, no big deal. And especially when you get to the fight, like, the Lamia, you're like, well, I have no olives. I keep dying over and over again. What's it matter? Later on in the game, in order to get some of the gifts from the gods, they start saying, like, well, I'll give you this, this horn you need, this ocarina. It's not a horn, but, you know, the ocarina you need to summon dolphins. But I need 70 olives. And you're like, oh, well, I've had 10 on a good day, so how am I supposed to get 70? And now you could try <laughs> to go back to the regular maps and farm out olives. And I don't know what you did, Billy, on, on, these, six, on these sections. But mm. if you do that, you're going to be, I mean, you're going to, first off, you're risking dying because everything in these, these later areas are very difficult. Uh, but also, you, you got to find a place where things spawn fast enough where that's going to be a, a place to go and to get 70 80 olives, and unfortunately, I think three or four gods in the game do this to you, where they're like, hey, I need 50 olives. Hey, I need 70 olives. Hey, I need 80 olives. And, and in fact, one of them, uh, Ares, Ares is in Crete, the island of Crete, and he gives you the power bracelet, which you don't technically need to finish the game, I believe, but you'd want it. And he's like, hey, I'll give you two or 80 olives. And if you say sure, but you don't actually have the money, he takes other items away from you because he's so mad that you lied to him uh-huh. and you have the olives. 
Jesus. But to go get olives, yeah, um... like where where did you go to get olives? I, I have a trick for it, but I'm pretty sure it's a fairly common trick. But otherwise, I don't know how you get off so many olives. Um, I skated through. I mean, I just fucking the good old fat. Well, to be honest, um, I did a little. If I died, I usually reverted back to a previous state. Uh, a lot of times, um, I, I just did a lot of good old fashioned fucking trudging through the map. Um, I, I didn't have any good spots or anything like that. Uh, most, uh, I, I will admit, no shame in my game. I, I relied a lot on uh, on jumping back to a previous state if I if I died. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the patience. Uh. I um, some games do grinding pretty well. Uh, this is not one of them. I, I would not have been able to olive grind at length. I, I would grind it out to pick up like an extra 10 or 15 or something like that. Uh, but no, I didn't know of any good spot. There's a trick. What What is this trick of yours? Well, it's, it's in the, the mountains of Argolis, where you, the caves uh-huh. that you go to earlier. Uh, there are two pits that you when you jump into, you don't die. Now, it's how would you test this? You would just jump in all the pits till eventually you fall down. And you're like, oh, I'm not dead here. And they're filled with snakes, salamanders. And those salamander rooms, there's two of them. One of them, where the salamanders are blue, you can just kill the salamanders all day, and sometimes they drop, uh, they drop olives. Uh, now they only spawn like three or four at a time, and if you're lucky, one out of those four will drop one olive. So you have to walk across the screen, kill all four of them. Walk across the screen again, kill all four of them. Maybe get a couple olives, right? But at least that's in one self-contained area. You're able to go back yeah. and forth. It's not, it's not too bad. And all those monsters, if you can uh, get the once you get the ability to use your staff to breathe fire, you can just spam fire at them, and they never come near you. So those are great. That's the easiest way to get olives. Um, I mention that cave also because on the there's another one of those pits where the salamanders are red. And you'll notice as you're killing them, they aren't dropping any olives. They're dropping skins, like snake skins. So if you collect mm-hmm. a bunch of snake skins, 20 snake skins, you can get a special shield later on in the game from a woman in the maze of Crete. So, you know, as a kid, I had found those those salamander skins never figured out what they were for but i did know that those holes were there like because i i managed to fall into them so i was like okay well i know where to go to just farm olives but mm-hmm. i wasn't using save states i should have but i didn't i played this pretty much straight through until the very end of the game and if i got to a place like in in Pathia, which is the the mountain area there's a lot yeah. of really tough jumps and a lot of places where you can die almost immediately and there's stuff set up to like it jumps off a platform at you uh, you know, when you're almost there, so you can get hit. And the knockback in this game is pretty bad. Um, and it's like, I, I would I would get to that boss. He's like, oh, I need 70 olives. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be bad. Now, the game has, two, it, like, built into the game, it has two different ways to continue when you die. You can either do um, continue, which is the thing where you lose half your olives and you end up uh, back at the start of the area, or there's retry. Retry takes you to the last time you talk to one of the other gods. Because after you get the item from a god, uh, you know, they will, then, then they'll give you a password and say, oh, don't forget this, this password. And you can, it will basically say, fine, here's the last time you were at the last password. Here's all the stuff you had at that moment in time, all the olives you had, whatever else. So mm-hmm. I would, if I knew I needed 70 or 80 olives to get an item, I would go to the caves in Argolis and then, you know, get as many as I possibly could. I can get out of there with no problem without dying. I would go talk to Zeus in Arcadia back again so that I, I would at least talk to a god, get a password. And then I would die over and over again <laughs> on the way to try to get <laughs> the items from these other areas with my olives without losing half of them. Because, again, if you need 80 olives and you spent half an hour farming olives to get them and then you lose half of them, you're just going to break your yeah. cartridge in half. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. I, but I did manage to, like, okay, I'll do the retry instead. I'll do this the right way, I think. You know, I'm, I'm glad I looked at the manual to know what that did. Uh, it, the The... 
the game on its own is difficult enough, and it's complex enough that I think it would be hard anyway to get through this game. Uh, the end of the game is incredibly difficult. The fights are very tough. The level's very long. Um, yes. You don't need Aulus for anything, which is nice, but basically, you know, you've got to, if you get to the last boss and lose, who is a, a shadow version of a boss at first, uh, much like Shadow Link at the end of Zelda 2, uh, you have to go back through like a large chunk of that last level and not, you not get hit a bunch because there's no healing items and just hope that you can get all the way to that boss. Uh, try to take him on again, die, fine, reload it, you know, re- retry, go all the way back. That, that's the only place where I actually used a save state was I had a save state right at the boss's door so that after about an hour of dying and having to walk all the way back, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to save right here and I will I will try get to try at least beat the boss eventually. And I did, but... But that was the olive farming on its own, man. That was where I was like, man, uh, if I if I had this as a kid and would have gotten this far, that would have been as far as I got. The moment I needed 80 olives and I lost half of them, I'd be like, well, I, I'm out. I'm done. This game is terrible. I don't want to play anymore. It seems kind of weird for them to throw that in there. I mean, uh, you know, we we did do a lot of grinding in Zelda 2, you know, but that seems a little bit more spread out. Uh, you know, from what I played, I, I was just picking up these olives and, you know, your feathers, which is your health. And I didn't honestly understand what, what the hell they were even for. But to learn that, you know, the, the game kind of gates off areas by making you grind for an exorbitant amount of olives uh, just seems kind of weird because it, it doesn't seem like it's that kind of game uh, from what I played earlier on. Well, and, and then, you know, besides going to all these areas and talking to the bosses, and in some cases farming a whole bunch of olives, uh, the, the whole point of this is to find three uh, fairies that are that were trapped by Hades, who's the main bad guy, uh, that, that you need to talk to to get pieces of heart. Uh, and, and one of the pieces of heart you get the first one you earn uh, is supposed to be like the, uh, the, the heart of truth or heart of courage or something like that. But it proves mm. that you're a hero. And there's a man in, in Athens, the, the place where you went to get the shield from Athena, who says something like, I can help you if you can prove who you are. You have to remember to go back to that guy way later to get a key. If you don't go back there after you get that first heart to get the key, you can't even find the second heart. Like, there's already, like, this kind of, again, it's not, it's not as bad as Castlevania 2, and it's not completely unintelligible, because the maps aren't huge. You'll eventually just get frustrated and talk to them again, but... Man, there's a lot, of, there's a lot, there would have been a lot to get through on this anyway, but adding the olives makes it worse, and, uh... And some of the later boss fights, uh, there's a dragon you fight that I, th- I was absolutely miserable against. I just, I eventually beat it, but I was like, this sucks. I'm fighting this thing over and over again. And you have to walk through a giant section of the mountain to even get to that fight and then jump over. Um, there, there's like this, almost like two screens of these plants that shoot fire that you have to, you can't do anything about other than just jump over their fire like nonstop. Uh, it's very, very frustrating because the knockback on this game, as we mentioned, is pretty terrible. So, I... I was glad this came through, and I was glad that I finally was able to beat it. Uh, although, again, with a safe state, but still, that was one one spot. I don't feel so bad about that. But uh, I, I mean, I already kind of knew what this was going to be, and I knew, I, you know, I was kind of looking forward to it. I know you didn't finish it, Jeremy. Do you have any interest to go back and play any more of this? I mean, like I, like like I said, I liked what I played. But if I have to sit there and farm olives for two or three hours, then that's not my idea of fun. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy, you know, how the game looks. Uh, it's it's a looker for an NES game. A lot of different um, varied stages to get to. You know, every area looks different. Uh, some of the the music is really good. I, I enjoy going to the gods' rooms and having the um, uh, the Phantom of the Opera music play for some reason. <laughs> I didn't quite. It's just like, why is this music playing here? Okay. 
Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to like about it, and it, I think, in, in my opinion, it's a it's a better version of Zelda two. But if you do get to that point where you've just got to grind and grind and grind, then I'm not sure if I want to want to make it to that point. Yeah, um, I think if I was playing through this the 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 way it was intended, I I don't think I could have really hung in there um, when it came time to to grind out those olives and the pain of losing. <laughs> half of them um I, I think would be a bit too much for me because uh, yeah they do get a little demanding with their their prices for, for these items as you move along and but it, it all together um after after getting over an initial shock I, it's not a bad little game like i said i really enjoyed the first half uh, once once well one the the whole olive thing came a bit more into play and once things started getting a bit more maze-like um, I found myself kind of fading out a little bit more. I don't think um, this was a game I was just playing on my own accord. I don't. I don't really know. I, I, it's hard to say if I would have saw this all the way through to the end. Uh, it's definitely one of those that um, I don't know if this is a hidden gem on the NES or not. I, I don't know if I would refer to. Uh, but it, it's definitely a game that might pique the interest uh, of some folks uh, if you did like. The, the action portions of, uh, of Legend of Zelda 2. Uh, I, I don't see why you wouldn't like this one. Uh, but for me, it just, it between, it had two of the things I hate the most, just, just kind of unnecessary mazes and um, grinding, like not fun type of grinding. Um, some games can pull it off. This was not one of them. Um, it, it's something that I, you know, I'm glad I played through because it's, it's an ES title I hadn't. So that's that's always a always a joy. Uh, I'm glad someone recommended it to us to to pick up. I I can't say it was a unique game because it's it, it's a, a a self you know self confessed clone. Uh, but it I love the theme and it, it did do. Some, some good things on its own. I thought the the lack of that overworld map, if they were going to not copy something from Zelda 2, that was a great move. Um, you know, the, the weapon, you do get a little bit of projectile going there also, so range early on, at least that's not a, an issue for the entirety of the game. And the villagers are actually pretty useful this time around. I also was a little worried because uh, those Zelda two villagers are not, you know, not known for being the most helpful. Um, but uh, they did improve on a few things, actually. Uh, but uh, altogether, uh, th this was not one that I would probably ever pick up again just to play for fun, I, I have to say. I I I'm somewhere in the middle on this one, right dead in the middle. The comparison to Zelda 2, I mean, is obvious because of how it looks, but I, I do think it they, they took some of the ideas from Zelda 2 and really improved on them. Yeah, and they, I, they, they improved some of that because that was definitely, I'm a big Zelda guy, but that's a game that, that could use improving. And they did improve on some things from it. Um, and I guess I, what I'm saying is where they improved on some aspects, they added in some of their own um, that, that didn't really gel with me. The olive farming is my biggest complaint, and yeah. I think if it was only one time, it wouldn't be a complaint. But after the third god you meet, it's like, well, why don't you give me 80 olives this time? I was like, this game just bites. I hate, I hate this. <laughs> like, I wish only, if one did it, I'd be okay with it. But after the third time, I was like, well, I'm done. I'm done with this. Uh, there's some, For me, it's just that that Zelda 2 feel that's just I've, I've never been a fan of. 
it feels just kind of overly slippery, just like mm-hmm. moving around. And and I've never been that big of a fan of that, especially like with the combat. So like bringing that step for step over to this game, it's uh, even though I like the the overall idea of it and, and streamlining of that game, like for me, the whole like fighting and action and jumping and movement is what really need to be overhauled for mm-hmm. me, uh, just because I've never enjoyed that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool little game. I would much rather play this over Zelda 2. Uh, but since we've played this now, uh, you know, the I think we... Are we going to play the, the next Zelda 2 clone, Rambo? Ooh. Oh, boy. Somebody's got to uh, do a Patreon to make us cover this. <laughs> well, this game did not do well. Uh, unsurprisingly, in Japan, this game was, uh, I mean, almost a massive bomb. To the point where they, that's why Infinity isn't a, a, a development company you know, because after that they went back to just porting stuff to other systems. And, I mean, they, they're still a company, apparently, but, uh, but doing things that, you know, that you wouldn't, that, like behind-the-scenes porting of games to other, other consoles. Um, the, when they brought it out in the U.S. and in Europe, it actually did much better, to the point where in Europe there's a Game Boy port of this as well, that it was only released oh, in Europe, boy. that in the same interview I was reading with the, with the developers, they didn't even know it existed. So <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> cool. But, yeah, you know. I like that we had this request. I'm glad we got to do it, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I do think I would play it before I play Zelda 2 again. So uh, thank you, uh, 2600, for recommending this one to us. at the start of the show all of this month is going to be picks from the patron you know, selection list where you can recommend games to us and they'll sit on that list till we eventually either can cover it or can decide there's no way we can cover that game but for the most part I, i'm glad we have those requests so if you have a game you want us to play and it's not one that you're willing to pay the the ten dollar a month for so many months to do make us cover it the list if you're any any patron of any level you can put one on there and we'll cover it the rest of this month we're gonna do the same thing so again thank you 2600 for this recommendation but one of the things you can do if you're not a patron, if you are a patron, if you're thinking about being a patron, but you have a question that you're just dying to know the answer to, you go to Retrovania.net. Now, not only are there links to all of our social media presences and our YouTube channel that was just updated with another toy and game hunt video that Jeremy put up, uh, at the very bottom, there's a question form. It's fillable. You can type in whatever you like. It gets sent to us, and we'll read it on the show, most likely, like we're going to do right now. Yeah, and this question actually comes in uh, on our patron website from Bin B., and he says, hey, Jeremy G., I heard on the YouTube channel you guys got a Jaguar. Was it hard to find or a right place at the right time kind of thing? What are your thoughts so far? Cheers, Ben B. Well, it wasn't actually me that got the Jaguar. It was my brother. He, he lives just a few minutes away. And I think I've mentioned before that I live vicariously through him as far as his video game collecting <laughs> goes. He's, he's the one that basically buys all the, you know, the consoles and has a really nice collection of stuff. So he managed to get uh, the Jaguar and the Philips CDI at the same exact place in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, at I think he, he found like a, an ad for it somewhere and went down there. So he got the two most, I guess, uh, systems that are likely to fail at this point. 
at, at some place that was a good like two and a half hours away. So he went down there and got those. Thankfully, they both work somehow. And I have not played the CDI, but I did go over and play the Jaguar. And the two games that I played, which was Ultra Vortec and Kasumi Ninja, both fighting games, those were special experiences. And I hope to maybe do a review on YouTube of those. I've got the equipment to record that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Ultra Vortec is as bad as you can imagine it to be with a name like that. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone's heard of Kasumi Ninja. If you've heard of the Jaguar, that's probably the the fighting game that you saw in the ads with it. It is terrible. Like, I always... I didn't quite understand how terrible a fighting game could be. But this one is... It's in another league. And it's just one of those things you kind of have to play. I have not played a fighting game that bad. I don't think in my entire life. It is mm. just... It is one of the worst things I've ever played. So, again, hopefully I get to do, to do a review of that. I would not recommend buying either of these systems... <laughs> just based on their failure rate. Because like I said, these systems at this point, it is a a complete shit show as far as like getting one and hoping that it actually works, especially the CDI. It It is known to, all of those versions of that are, are known to have issues and basically have rotted on the inside at this point. We're just, they barely work. So yeah, uh, my brother is the lucky winner of those. I don't know if either of you have have been lucky enough to play either of those two fine systems. I, I have not, um, and, and I'm kind of glad to hear to hear what you have to say. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. You know, I, I've talked about the Turbo Graphics being the one, um, you know, that I never got to play uh, that I that I really wanted to get a hold of, and you know, uh, this this podcast, thankfully. Also, uh, also taught me that I didn't miss out on much with that. Um, so it's good. It's good. It's <laughs> so it's good to uh, it's good to learn that about a couple of other systems. Also, I had played the Jaguar when it was new. We were still still selling it when I worked at uh, at the electronics boutique. So I I did play it, but I never thought it was that that exciting. I did not get to play either of the games you mentioned. I think I played Tempest and the Alien vs Predator game, and that was it. And I was like, yep. This controller is ridiculous. I'm good, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't play any more with that. But uh, it's it's cool that you've gotten to. Yeah. So thanks, uh, Ben, for writing in, and look forward to to more exciting content involving uh, bad CDI and Jaguar games. Next up, our this question comes from Steve, and he's writing in about the YouTube channel. So I have a very serious question for you, and I probably know the answer, but maybe worth a shot. You see, I've been trying to start a YouTube channel. I love Castlevania. I've been thinking of a name, and I finally thought up Retrovania. I googled it and found your site. I see your YouTube channel is named something slightly different. I really like this name, and honestly, I'm not that creative, and it took me two weeks to think of that name. Would you be upset if I used it? Again, I probably already know the answer, but I guess it's worth a shot to ask. Um, I'm going to, I've already answered this guy in private, but I just wanted to read this on here as well. Uh, just to kind of answer this, we don't own the Retrovania name. So feel free to start whatever you want as Retrovania. But like I told him, that's probably a bad idea. If you ever want to start anything on YouTube or online, a website, whatever it is, it's probably best to not name yourself the thing that somebody else already is, especially if they're established as that. Because it's just a bad idea. I mean, no one's going to be able to find your content since if they search for Retrovania anywhere online, on YouTube, Google, whatever, our stuff will come up first. 
if anyone asks what your channel is and you say Retrovania, our stuff's going to come up. Unless you know, maybe get some viral video and all your stuff blows up and you're way popular, way more popular than we are. That's a different story, but that's a very unlikely situation for most people, including us. Uh, we had to work quite a while to get to where we are and, and have the amount of stuff show up. You know, a lot of content that we do show up here and there as far as like when you search for us. So, yeah, don't, you know, maybe just come up with your own thing or if you want to use Retrovania, come up with your own take on it. Uh, I think, uh, what, what was your idea, Jeremy? I think you, you had something that sounded like a hemorrhoid's name. <laughs> I'm not going to remember what it was, that hemorrhoid's name. But, I mean, basically, you just take any, I mean, we're, we're Retrovania. You could be Castlevania. You could be anything if you really are, are tied to the Castlevania theme. I mean, Retromania, that's fine. Go to town. Yeah, I mean, Castlevania is good. I, I don't like, even have a, I mean... Yeah, you're right. We don't own the name, uh, but just like you know, I've, I've I'm in a band now. I've been in bands forever, and like the first thing you do when you come up with a name of anything you're doing is you Google it, or you you know, even when there wasn't Google, you were able to at least do some kind of research somewhere and be like, hey, does this band exist? Does does something exist that has this name? Because it's aside from the fact that you don't want to, you know, accidentally use something that somebody else's uh, name wise. Exactly what you said. It's going to be impossible to get your own your own you know, footprint out because you're constantly in someone else's footprint. So it's, it's just a bad idea. But that said, I guess go to town. Maybe you'll have more luck than we've had with it. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't recommend it. I was going to say, like, we, did, we didn't do that. We didn't, <laughs> when we started this, we didn't really jump into it thinking we were going to last probably more than like 10 episodes. Yeah. We were just doing it for fun. And we just went with Retrovania and, and ran with it. And the problem with that was there is a website called VG Junk. And for the longest time, and I think they still do, a subsection on their site is called Retrovania. It's just where they do like little features on retro games and stuff like that. That was, they had a lot of content already online under the Retrovania name. So by the time I discovered this, I was just like, you know what, we're, we're already in this. We're, we're probably not going to do this for very long, whatever. Let's just run with it. It took us probably three years before we ever leapfrogged that name. And they hadn't really been putting up any new content. It's just that they had already been established and they had been around that long. So it, we had to, like I said, spend years to get to the point where all of our stuff would finally show up, even on YouTube. Retrovania is a pretty common name for people to throw out there. No one was using it as a brand on YouTube, but even still, just looking up Retrovania, all these other titles of videos that would say Retrovania or something was in it. Uh, so it's a lot of extra work if you just don't want to, you know, you don't need to go through that if you can just come up with your own name. Don't be dumb like us and Google the name that you come up with like, or, or like you did and wait until after you've come up with the name and then Google it. But at least you did it before you actually set in stone with it, unlike we did. Uh, but yes, thank you, Steve, for asking. Uh, all the best luck with with whatever you do on your YouTube channel. Also, Steve, why would you want to call your name, call your website Retrovania or anything you do Retrovania when you get such uh, such great questions like this one oh, coming boy. from uh, uh, Burger Champ? Oh, Burger Champ! And he's writing in to say uh, a caution, trigger warning. Oh. Hey guys, just trying to gauge how bad a person I am with another hypothetical. <laughs> You're out in public and you have a sudden gas attack come upon you and you can't and you can't hold that fart in any longer. This sounds like our video game we talked about. I know, right? <laughs> 
So you go to a secluded area to crop dust, just as a couple comes strolling around the corner. When the couple has a physical and audible reaction to your gift, do you feel more shame or more pride? (laughs) To make this game related, let's say you're shopping for a Roblox card or something. (laughs) Whatever moral judgment you make is what I'll accept. I have uh, I've actually been shopping for, for, uh, for my daughter for a Roblox card. Um, you know, I, I think the fortunate thing with that, um, I, I, I think I finally um, have hit that point age wise where I I look a lot less like, you know, weird guy that's playing Roblox and just just more like a confused father in a in a in a, in a Walgreens uh, picking up this card for this thing that he that he doesn't understand. Um, so it's probably different because I had, I had that going for me. Uh, I, um, I guess maybe I, I would just be indifferent and maybe give him a shrug and, uh, you know, that's life and, and think, and think ways. I don't know if I would feel, uh, shame or pride. Uh, I think, you know, I, I would, I would probably be pretty complacent in the, in the entire act. I mean, I do this all the time. I constantly crop dust people <laughs> in grocery stores, anywhere you can. Uh, I like to go. I like to, and if I do that, and I'll make eye contact oh, with boy. somebody after it happens, and I'll like, oh boy. And then you look at somebody. I, else. I think we've uh, we've we've got a little bit of a, a, a fetish talk now, apparently. I mean, I don't I don't enjoy it. I just am very gassy, and uh, so I'll, I'll I'll walk by people, and it'll happen. And then you know, if, especially if it's bad, like there's sometimes where like. You know, you let one go and you're like, that's not so bad. And then there's other times where it's like just this tiny like and it doesn't make any sound. But it's that little that little bit of air. But all of a sudden, like you can feel the stench around you. and It's really, really bad. And you're almost impressed. Like if I eat Burger King, that's going to happen. It's guarantee. And uh, and then I'm, I'll just make eye contact with somebody and then like just point at anybody else. Be like that guy. Whoa, that's r- ridiculous. <laughs> so it's a little bit of shame, but also a lot of pride. I, <laughs> I think it's more pride than shame at this point. I mean, yeah, I mean, at, at our age, I think you've just got to own it. I mean, you just, you just got to lock eyes with somebody and just go. And, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you guys, but that's the only way I can feel anything anymore. It's just, yeah. you know, get get that 100-yard stare, right that guy that's right down the aisle. <laughs> you know what the worst <laughs> is, though? I can deal with it in a store. I can deal with it in, in most places. But, like, if you're ever like in an elevator and you're by yourself and you let one go and then literally the next <laughs> the next floor someone comes in and you have like four more floors to go and you're like I'm so sorry like then it's all shame like I wear a tidy box together and I've clearly shit my own pants this is a bad day for everybody involved <laughs> I mean there's there's no good thing about not owning up to it I mean I've got a <laughs> uh, a friend of mine I'm not going to name his name it's it's not me but like I he's, he's a family member so I'm not going to name him he might listen to the show, uh, but he was on his fir- first date with this one girl at some point with a, a group of his friends and uh, my stepbrother or my brother. And he um, he went out just to, across the field to uh, to go piss on the fence. And as he was over there, he just he just ripped his whole ass out. And like it was loud enough that you could you know hear it across this entire field. He's literally the only person over there that could have made that sound. And, of course, the girl that he was on his date with, you know, they, he came back and everybody's just, like, cracking the fuck up. And he's like, what's going on? And my brother was like, dude, you just you just ripped your fucking pants out over there. Like, are you okay? And he's like, he's like, no, I didn't do that. I, I, I just kicked a rock. I just kicked a rock. 
I, I can't remember exactly what, but it was like that. He's like, I kicked a rock or I kicked the fence or something like that. It was so obvious that he had farted that that it was sad that he was completely <laughs> disowning it. So like a week later, apparently this bothered him so much. A week later, he went on the second date with this girl and he went and picked her up and she got in the car and he was like, listen, I don't want you to think that I'm a, a man that lies or, or, or isn't true to you or something. He's like, I oh, just the, want the, the guilt was eating away at him. Yeah. He's just like, I just want to let you know I did fart. I did fart <laughs> in that field. <laughs> And, and I that bet was, he felt better. I bet he felt better after that. Uh, well, that was the last date he got to go on with on that <laughs> girl. Uh, so just own up to what you do. Uh, don't let it eat you up inside to the point where you ruin whatever future you have with someone else. I mean, everybody does it, but man, it is always funny. Every time. It is. And that's why you should own up to it, because it's hilarious. Uh, it, it will, And even if the other people are suffering, they will also eventually think it is hilarious. So, yeah, just, just own up to what you do. Uh, but yes, thank uh, thank you, Burger Champ, for writing in, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can tell you the, the the darkness of our souls and and what we have become as old men at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up comes from Bill Billy Mumphrey's downfall. That's a hell of a name, uh, and he's uh, what's on his mind is semen grandpa, as if that isn't <laughs> on, it's on yeah. everyone's mind. Yeah, um, he writes in to say, "Hey there, fellas, big fan from the frozen tundra of Canada." Ooh. I hope you read this on your show. As you know, we have no running water or electricity here in Canada, which I've heard forced that. me to. <laughs> it's confirmed finally. Yeah. Which forced me to travel by dog sled south to the nearest American embassy in hopes of internet access. Luckily, they did not have. <laughs> Luckily, they did have a working IBM, but not so lucky for Kenjo and Nene, though. Two of the huskies sadly did not survive the excursion south. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> Slitter got dark. I'm writing you guys to say two things. Retrovaniacs is the best damn gaming podcast on the planet, top shelf. Man, it's high praise. He just doesn't listen to too many gaming podcasts. <laughs> and two, I've been patiently waiting for you guys to do a review of Rock and Roll Racing for the Sega Genesis and Super NES hmm. to no avail. Now, I'll admit that I'm not a Patreon subscriber at the moment, but if you won't do the review for me, please find it in your hearts to do it for Kenjo and Nene. Don't let their deaths be in vain. Mm-hmm. Keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. Your friend, Billy Mumphrey's downfall. P.S. General Chaos Rules. Thank you. Thank you. Finally. Yeah. He had me right till the end. Um, (laughs) No, I I, I spoke with this fellow very, very briefly on on Twitch at one point and and had recalled to him that I did, in fact, love myself some rock and roll race. Uh, You know, that was that was a, a frequent rental. For a little while. Uh, so definitely, I, I think that is one um, that I would be up for anyway. But if, if especially if it's, you know, in honor uh, of these two pups that, that lost their lives, um, I, I think we almost have to at that point. Yeah, it's one I actually, I, I've never played that uh, more than for a couple seconds. So I, I definitely would play that again uh, and, and give it a real shot. Uh, it's one of those things we don't have a lot of racing games because it's hard to cover them. So yeah. if, that, if that has something interesting in it other than just a, a straight racing game, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. If I had my choice of theme month, it would totally be Car Combat Month. Mm. But that's probably not going to happen. But I can tell you that we did do a review of Rock and Roll Racing for the Super NES on our YouTube channel. So maybe that can tide you over until maybe eventually my dream comes through and I can threaten Jeremy enough. Uh, with leaving the show until we have a, a car combat 
a month or something like yeah. that. So, so maybe down the road uh, we will get that. Uh, thank you so much for uh, Billy Mumphrey's downfall for writing in. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks for all the effort. You know, we're sorry your dogs didn't make it. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And our last question of the week comes in from our old friend Kay. Oh, boy. And he's writing in about stage 1-1. First impressions are everything. I judge a game pretty harshly based on its music. We can talk all day about great soundtracks and hidden gems, but I want to hear your thoughts on what games have the best stage 1 music. For conditions, let's say it can't be a title screen or opening cinematic music. It has to be what's playing the first time you're able to take control of your character like a tutorial stage or the first stage of a game. I suppose for a fighting game, that'd be any track except for a boss. And for any game that lets you pick the first stage, any of them are technically the first. For me, Final Fight 2, Streets of Rage, and Star Fox all start very strong. Breath of Fire 3 stands out for RPGs when you're, on, when you're a dragon whelp in the mines. Columns 3 and Tetris, the Grandmaster, are my puzzle game choices. Mm. What say you, Retrovaniacs? Also, Billy has just informed me that he has still not tried the Taco Bell grilled no. steak breakfast no. burrito. Get on it, you coward. Mm. Well, first of all, uh, you know, I, I, I'll get around to it eventually. Um, I, I, I do intend, I, I think we've spoke of it enough now, uh, that I am going to try to make that venture one day. Uh, I don't know when. Probably a day when I, I'm home by myself. I don't want anybody to know. That I'm, uh, you know, uh, some people sneak off to, to mess around. Some people sneak off for other vices. I, I don't want anybody off to get Taco Bell breakfast. I, I think that would be far more shameful uh, than many other things. So I, I'm going to try to sneak off and have a little bit of that at some point. Uh, but for me, um, he said Streets of Rage. I, in continuation of that, Streets of Rage 2 has one of my favorite opening tracks really get you in the mood for the game uh, a series where already one kind of established uh, a high bar for for music in the game and two just continues that uh with a, with an awesome opening track um donkey kong country i feel is almost too easy of one uh, that, a nice jaunty tune right there at the beginning uh that, that really gets you in the mood for that one uh that that always ranks really high for me uh it always puts a smile on my face when i put donkey kong in you know you get the title screen you, you get that little track but then you kick the game off you get to that first stage uh, and the music kicks in and you know it, it's off from there um more recent one and as in really recent since it got re-released um one of my personal favorites is the uh that scott pilgrim versus the world game opening level music Quite possibly my favorite opening level music ever uh, in a game. I have uh, I've jammed out to that one in the car many times over. Oh, those are three that really really stick out to me. Um, but yeah, special oh, special shout to Streets of Rage. Uh, I, I thought that series just maintained incredible music all the way throughout, and this was on the Genesis too. So I think I, hopefully I'm earning some points with other folks by praising uh, the soundtrack of Genesis games. It's hard for me not to think of only NES games for this question because th- those songs in general, I've, mm-hmm. I've been humming them mm-hmm. my entire life. But also just because of the, the way that you know those games are, they really make the most they can out of that, that sound chip. Yeah. And so I don't know if this counts because it's technically kind of the, the intro music, but not quite. But the first level of Kid Icarus is... 
Like mm. the, the music starts, and it's always been one of the, like I I I can sing that theme every time I start playing it. I love that theme uh, to the game. Uh, as far as as you know, more recent things we've played. When the what the last bonus show was on Avenging Spirit, that's when like literally the moment you turn on the music, I was like, well, this yeah, game's gonna rule. Yeah. Doesn't matter what else happens. The music in this game is incredible. And and actually, for my favorite though is, and I don't even know if this is if this counts because again, it's not right what you start at the very beginning of the game, but the first time you hear like the action music in the action section of uh, of Castlevania Two, it was like, holy shit, this game's gonna be incredible. That song is amazing, and it's like. The, the music in that game are one of the, the things that'll keep you going because the rest of the game certainly won't. But the music in that game is is absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. But even little things like the first when you start playing the, the original Metal Gear and it has that jungle music that dun 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 like just the, it meets perfectly what you need it to do and it's like it builds up as you're as you're out in that area and it makes it sound like you're trying to sneak through somewhere. I mean I love it. I love uh, that old Nintendo game music. So I'm gonna stick with Kid Icarus for my main answer. But I I think Castlevania two and Metal Gear are right behind that. Yeah, I, for me, I think the most nostalgic ones for me are, are Contra for the NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I played that so much as a kid that that opening stage music is just ingrained into my soul at this point. Uh, Metroid, obviously, for the NES, that I can remember that one very easily all the time. One that probably is is a little off in left field is the first uh, race music in Top Gear. Like, that is just something that, that I will always remember because I played that so much with my dad and, and, you know, we, we rarely made it too far, but we always had time to play that, that goddamn first level in top gear. And, and yeah, and it's just a good soundtrack. Top gear had a damn good soundtrack on the super NES um, for newer stuff. I, nothing really stands out, I guess. Uh, it, for some reason, like video game soundtracks it, in the last generation or so has just, They've really just kind of been in the background for me. Yeah, I, I just I, I was about to say they've been more atmospheric than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's really, you know, caught my ear, you know, to the point where I'm just like, damn, you know, this is fucking balling music right here. Mm. Uh it's just it, it's sad and I think it's just one of those things where maybe like more classic video game music is is just more what I'm into. So I mean, you can make really good music and put it in your game for the first stage and stuff like that. Like Ori and things like that had amazing music. Mm. Uh, but there's, I, I can't remember any of it, you know? I just don't remember any of that music. So uh, I, I think maybe the, uh, I guess one that bridges the gap a little bit is uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. When you yeah. first take, take, con- take control of Cloud off that train, it's that music. It's just done way better, you know, with mm. an actual orchestra or whatever the hell they did. And uh, that was... When that hit, when I first played that, I was like, "Ah, oh, this is it. This is this is exactly what I wanted." Uh, but I will say, for this steak burrito uh, for breakfast, it, I have tried since you actually asked this question. It's uh, a crapshoot as far as in the COVID area if Taco Bell's are open during breakfast. <laughs> now I don't know if it's a Texas thing or a state thing or whatever, or if it's a franchise thing, but I have now tried to go to three different Taco Bells in three mm. different states at breakfast. Mm. One here in Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky. And both of them were closed for breakfast. Wow. So I don't know if it's just, you know, some of them are open, or you, I, I don't know how to find ones that are actually are open for breakfast. I would love to try this, because I am I did enjoy their previous breakfast burrito. I think it was like a... I can't fucking remember what the hell it was called, but it was, you know, it was just a regular old breakfast burrito with like potatoes and eggs and, and stuff in it. I did enjoy that, but 
ever since COVID hit, I have not been able to get over to Taco Bell just because half of them seem like they're closed. So mm. I don't know if you guys have had to deal with closed ass Taco Bells for breakfast, but that's what I'm getting over here. I mean, that's the first bad thing I've heard about this COVID thing. That's terrible. That's absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> that's absolutely terrible. Yeah. We finally, we finally realized the full reach of it. Well, once they took my damn potatoes off the menu, <laughs> and the and the taco pizza, fuck, like this is apocalypse at this point. So, uh, I will continue to try. K, I if if I can find me a goddamn Taco Bell that's open at eight a.m., I will I will check it out. But thanks for writing in, and that's going to do it for questions this week. Like Jeremy said, if you want to go to retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a question form. You can fill that out and through the magic of the internet. We will actually get your question and probably end up reading it, even if it is about farts and holding them in and how we feel about it. So that is there. Uh, real quick, as Jeremy did say, we did do a new uh, video for YouTube. It's not very good, <laughs> but it's, it's basically me going to a few stores that don't have anything. And then one awesome uh, store at the end. So if you want to check that out, go over to our Retrovania channel on YouTube and uh, please subscribe and watch our stuff because if you don't, then no one else will. And that's as, that's as most of an advertising guy as I am. Also uh, on that same site, along with the question form and all those links is the Patreon link. Uh, so you can always go there, join our Patreon. You get two extra bonus episodes every month. Uh, along with you get access to the list, which all the games we're pulling from this month will be from the list, and we'll be back in two weeks with another one of those. Also, as a reminder, uh, if you send us a question and we did not answer it, we have a lot uh, in, in the queue, so we're going to do a few old ones a week and, and some new ones if they are time-sensitive, but uh, you know, if, you didn't, if we didn't read your question this week, don't think we've forgotten it. We just have a bunch to go through. And we will see you in two weeks with another listener pick. 